Today on Watch Time, we're going to be talking with Joshua Lawhorn, our lead videographer, and we'll be discussing video production and the production process. Stick around. Welcome back to Watch Him, everybody. We're here with Josh Lawhorn, our video editor, video producer, video pro. Video, the video, the video guy. The video guy. Netflix if you go to the website, media, yeah. it says video guy. I'm that guy. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about production. Um, and Josh is a really great person to talk about this, not only because he's a video production pro, but he is also one a of our maniac. Main yeah, no. <laughs> he's one of our main points out on the out in the field. So you you do it all the time. You do yeah. it even more than I do at this point. Yeah. Well, I mean, someone has to take over so that you can grow this fantastic empire that we're trying to build. Well, I appreciate it because you do a great job, and clients are always very pleased. So thank you very much. Um, so jumping into production, you know, I, the reason I think this episode is so important and for everybody listening, you know, if you've never shot a video or worked with a company and had a video produced, or maybe you have worked with a company or an individual and had a video produced, everybody seems to have very different experiences. And I think maybe talking a little bit about the basics of the production process will help um, not only the listeners better understand what to expect when a company shows up, but maybe also get you a little more prepared in terms of what you know you can do ahead of time to make the job a little bit easier and make things go a little smoother. So um, starting off, I guess, First thing right out the gate, we show up. So why don't we talk about what happens once we show up on site? All right. So we show up. We have our car loaded with all of our gear. We have, I don't know how much gear that we have. It's like hundreds of pounds of gear that we have to then take into the production facility. So got to load the car up, take it in. Sometimes we have to go down some narrow corridors and it's like, why, you know, why couldn't you have like a loading bay or something like that? You know, some of these businesses aren't that yeah. large though, you know, especially like, when you're working in like a downtown area, there's not a lot of room and you're no. kind of subject to buildings that were built, you know, early 1900s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they well, didn't factor in that video was going to be so huge. No, they, they probably thinking people were going to roll radios down the hallway or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but okay. So like one thing though, I think to mention in terms of like, I guess, percentage of weight and just for people listening, um, the way I can explain this to everyone is like, if you think about a minivan, we kind of show up with a minivan full of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if you can't put your kids in the minivan, you can't put groceries in the minivan, like yeah. the seats are up, it's two people in the car and that's it. And other companies, they have larger production vehicles. You know, we're still trying to like, we're, we're getting there, but it's like, you know, we have what we have and that's what we have. You know, keep that in mind. When you work with a the company, they, they're probably going to show up with a lot of gear. Um, some of them show up with what is known in the industry as a grip truck. And um, that's kind of what we're talking about, the van. And with that is like you can keep a lot of equipment in there that are, I like to say like just in case equipment. I kind of, that's why we're working towards that. We can keep stuff in there that maybe we're not going to use all the time. But as we'll talk about later in this episode, video is a little unpredictable. So it's good to have some options. So, okay, so we have the gear unloaded and we're bringing it in. Sometimes it takes one or two cart trips depending on, the area and what we need to bring in. So we're inside the building. We show up with the cart. Next step. Next step is we're in the room that we're going to be shooting in or we're in a room that's near that. And what we want to do is we want to stage our gear. Now, if you want to be working in the most efficient way possible, 
you want to stage your gear in a manner in which, hey, I need to get this flag. I need to get this lens here. You know, so like you don't just want to start throwing things everywhere. And I think that that kind of also comes from like, you know, you had a police background. I had a military background. It's like we couldn't just show up and just start throwing things. You know, we'd get screamed at. Well, everything has its place. And I think that's the thing, you know, anybody listening, if you've ever worked, and many of you probably do work in professional jobs where you things need to have a place, you know, you have a, a process to do things. And I think that with the military and law enforcement background, that's one thing I know from being a police officer, you know, I knew where everything was in my car. Mm-hmm. I knew where everything was in the station and everything had a place because in an emergency, now granted, we're talking emergencies, we're not talking about video emergencies, but like life Threatening emergencies. What do you mean, Bill? Video is an emergency. <laughs> it can be, depending on who you're working for. Exactly, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> I need this right now. <laughs> but um, but talking about like life or death emergencies, it's important to know where everything is. This way you're not wasting time because time is crucial. And you know, we feel the same way when we come out on location for clients because you're paying for our time. So time is crucial, and we want to make sure we have a good system where we can access everything. But also, you know. If we're in your lobby, we're in your conference room, you know, we're in the hallway, depending on what we're shooting, you know, your C-level executives could come through there. If you're a marketing agency or marketing department, Um, if you're a small business owner, maybe your customers are coming through there. And having things neat and tidy and professional are very important because it, it really... It shows the company's professionalism, and I think it helps kind of people. Helps you stand out. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think, you know, you, especially if you're the decision maker that's hiring us, you want to make sure you have somebody showing up with what they need, and they're not destroying your place, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So, we're we're unpacked. Things are laid out the way we want them, and so what's the next step? The next step is you got to set the camera up. You have to get your shot composed before you do anything else. Because that is going to help um, facilitate where you're going to set up your lights, where you're going to set up your modifiers, uh, where you're going to set up your, if you're using a boom mic, where you're going to set, you know, what's your headroom that you have. Um, It's just, it's absolutely crucial that you get the shot set up because say when it's just you and me, you know, like obviously we still want to get the shot set up first, but like if we have a team that's helping us like they can't start doing anything until we get that camera in the exact spot that it needs to be in. That is true. And you're kind of bottlenecking everybody else because on a, on a, I'd say medium size production, which is kind of what we kind of what we do a lot of, you always have the lead videographer, such as yourself, you have a producer, you potentially have a second shooter, a gaffer who's handling the lighting and then a grip or a production assistant who's kind of running around setting things up. And if you can't move the production forward, you have people kind of sitting around waiting. And, you know, one, that doesn't look good to the client. And two, it's wasting crucial time. So that's why it's important to get that shot set up and composed. I think it's important to note, too, and maybe we, we could kind of touch on your style a little bit, you know, that shots do get composed. Because I think that's something that, you know, a lot of people don't really know what we're looking for. So maybe you could talk a little bit about what you look for when you set up a shot. I kind of take a mathematical approach to setting up the shot. Like I have my grids on my camera. Most of the time people don't really like it. Like they'll be like, man, you know, like you, I can't see anything. It's and like, it breaks well, the camera up into thirds. That, yeah, yeah. Okay. So there's the rule of thirds, okay. all right? So you picture that you have like a three by three square. So you have like three squares on the side, three squares on the bottom on your X and Y axis. Um, and I like to put 
my uh, subjects on either side of those vertical lines, right? I don't like to center frame them. Sometimes I will, depending on, you know, what the... Because you get to a production site, you might not necessarily know what you're walking into. So it's, it's, you got to be able to work off your feet. So I like to either set them up on the left or right side. Um, and I like to set the interviewer who is usually Kathy or we have Jess. Mm -hmm. I like to set them up on the same side that our key light is on that way. The, uh, subject is, uh, they're, they're not getting hit with light on their, on their side that is like facing the camera, yeah. they're getting hit on the opposite side. And that creates a nice amount of depth. Well, and that way too, you're not really blinding somebody with yeah. light. Cause I, I feel like if you ever watched a video and somebody's squinting at the camera, mm -hmm. this is probably not something that was considered. So this is, this is a lot of thought as you're probably thinking, as you're listening to this, like, wow, like, cause I'm even thinking as we're walking through this, like, and we've done it, like, well, there's a lot of thought that's going into how we're doing things and, and why we're doing those things. Um, okay, so we have the camera set up and, you know, we have the shot composed, which, you know, I think composing a shot, I do want to mention, it is an important thing because there are things that you may notice next time you watch a video, anybody produces, really pay attention to the background and, you know, you might notice an exit sign or maybe a, a pole or maybe a window frame that looks like it's coming out of somebody's head mm -hmm. or maybe they're like not positioned correctly. And you notice they're like looking to the side and, and you'll know this uncomfortable feeling because like great example, like right now, if you're looking at this main frame and I'm looking at the camera, if I turn and I start talking this way, then what's going to happen is you're going to feel uncomfortable because I'm talking to nothing. So these are all things that have to be considered when we're framing up shots. So just keep things like that in mind that this is a process that's important and that's kind of what we're doing. And maybe that's why things aren't getting set up as quickly quite yet. So, okay, so we got the camera set up. Lighting is next. Um, I know we're going to have Najata Davis, our uh, gaffer. Light, and, lighting aficionado. Yeah, I know, the the lighting man. Um, he's going to be <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be on the podcast. We'll be talking about lighting. And um, so we'll leave that, you know, to kind of talk about with him. But, you know, just know that lighting is an important aspect because it can, you know, invoke emotion. It makes or breaks. I think it makes or breaks your production. Like, absolutely. That's, if you, if you look at, if you compare two videos mm -hmm. and one's just like, you know, one light, someone came in, just shine the light directly on the person. It's like, yeah, you lit it, but you yeah. know, it's compared to like a, a Hollywood movie, you know, it's like, it's night and day. You're always working on lighting. That's one thing I think that's worth noting is like getting better. I often think of lighting like your golf swing. Like a lot of people are like, oh, golf is a lifetime game. Anybody can go out and buy a set of golf clubs and swing it. But it's really in the swing that determines where the ball is going to go, if it's going to go far enough. It's not the power. It's not the club. It's not the golfer. It's the swing. So lighting is really that for video. I think that this job is all muscle memory. Like we've already talked about. I don't know, you know, five, six different things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I didn't do that on my first production. I didn't know how to do that on my first production. It was like, it, it was, I built every single production. I got better and better and better. And I think that that's what we continue to do. Well, and I think that's worth noting, like when people are, and I know I, we kind of talk with Najata about this too, but we're going to talk a little bit more about price and why price varies and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I think that's worth noting when you talk about like, you know, why is somebody a little cheaper than somebody else? And 
you know, and I'm say a little bit like drastically, you know, like maybe one person's charging 10,000 for a video and you get a quote from someone else or charging two. Um, think about that muscle memory because probably what's happening is a couple of things. One, you're probably only getting one person mm -hmm. and they don't have that muscle memory developed yet. Not to say they're not going to do a good job for you. They're going to produce an adequate video for you. But the way I look at this is when you start paying more money for a video and, and getting more crew involved and getting more tools involved, it's like purchasing a car and it's basically like purchasing the base model versus purchasing the luxury package. Both are going to get you to A and B, but one is going to have more features and do more. So it's kind of like you can deliver your message with the base model, but you may not invoke the emotion or get the you know, get the idea across the way you would with maybe the luxury model. And that's that's kind of why there's such a varying price. So keep that in mind when you're, you're looking at like, well, why is this person this? And why are, you know, is, why is this company this? So, and these are things that you can even ask, like, you know, if you're trying to figure out pricing, like, well, you know, how many people are coming out? How much gear do you bring? You know, do you do, you do a site visit, which we'll talk about that? You know, um, what kind of equipment can we expect you know are you going to be using multiple cameras are we doing this on one and they might not you know they might not know the difference between like a red yeah. and uh you know just a, a your typical run-of-the-mill camcorder you know they might not know the difference between um aperture and gvm you know they might not that's what they pay us for yeah right? and you're and i think the people listening i wouldn't focus on the gear as much as what am I getting for my money in terms of the deliverables? How do those work? And I think this is where we start to explore this whole, you know, is it one light and a camera or is it a lighting team and a couple cameras? Because that, that can make a big difference in a video. And you don't need an overabundance of lights. It's just you need to know how to use your lights in a proper manner. Like I'm always trying to figure out how to use the least amount of lights, but still get that, get that nice get the look that we're going for, you know, depending on whether it's going to be low key or high key. Yeah. And, and, and low key lighting is, you know, it's very deep shadows, very dark shadows. High key is your run of the mill broadcast. You know, you can, you can see there might be, there might be shape in the light, but you can see every aspect of the individual. Well, and I guess it's worth noting too, like, you know, and like I said, I know we'll dive deeper in this with Najata, but um, just the amount of, of lighting, you know, you don't realize goes into a production sometimes like right now, if you're watching this on, on, uh, YouTube or on our social platforms, you might not realize that we're actually lit by three different lights. Yep. So we have a large light right here. We have a large light right here. And then we actually have a large light overhead and that's, what's producing the image that you're seeing right now. And, um, that may be shocking because some I know some people when they're watching videos they, they probably just think the lights are on in the room exactly yeah. and that's that's the thing like we actually have no lights on in the room right yeah. now yeah. <laughs> only the lights that we have set up are on so you know these are all things that have to be considered and and uh, thought about it is important you know why are the lights off in the room you know one thing that I don't think I covered with Najato when him and I spoke was um you know was the difference in color temperature so like lights do have different color temperatures and. If you want to get your skin tones close to what they should be and get the person looking as real as possible um, in the video, you have to control the light. And that's why we don't have lights on in this room right now. Yeah, yeah. So these are things to consider. If you got big, big giant windows, you know, you need to have people that can come in. And if you want to use those, know how to properly adjust their lights to be able to do that. So, okay. So now jumping out of the lighting conversation, 
lights are set, camera set up, lights are set up. We're getting into audio. Yes. And um, I think this is a very um, pivotal part of the production process that often gets overlooked by a lot of video professionals because they're so obsessed with the image, but they don't realize that you can have a decent image and great audio and get by, but you could have a beautiful image and horrible audio yeah, and, and yeah. you're done. It, it, I, when I went to film school, I remember like it was taught that, and you know, all statistics are not accurate, but it was said that like 80% of your movie is your audio because the audio is going to stand out. If it's crappy, people are not going to want to watch your video. Unless, you know, like I know with Instagram, it's like most people kind of just scroll through now and they don't have the audio on and they just read subtitles. But like, that's not what we're going for. No. And that's that's a different aspect of production. I mean, we create social media reels and videos and things like that for people. But those are byproducts of our larger productions. Oftentimes, we're talking about creating content that's going to live on your website, be delivered by your sales team or potentially be part of a marketing package where you have high value customers that are going to be, you know, visiting the site or utilizing this stuff. And you need to be on brand and you need to look as professional as you are. And having a mic where you can hear somebody yelling down the hall or you hear rubbing on your shirt, um, that's not going to be good for your image or your brand. I would say that like, okay, so we've done trade shows and if you see people in the background, it'd be a little bit more forgiving, but like for like your typical overview video that's in an office setting, it's like you, that's not for, you can't have police sirens. You can't have any of that in the background. Um, so I think what you were going for, like when you brought this subject up was like, we walk into a room, right? Yeah. What type of microphone are we going to use? So you have your overhead microphone, which is a boom microphone, or you could use a lapel lavalier mic where you just mic the individual up. Typically for like larger rooms that have higher ceilings, we like to go with a lavalier mic because that's going to cut down on that reverb, that echo that you get. It's going to make a more pleasing, uh, it's going to be a more pleasing um, vocal range for the listener. Um but I'd always prefer to use a boom if I could because that kind of gives you a little bit of that ambient ambient mm -hmm. room tone. Yes. And well, one thing we could also do too is, it, you know, we can always add room tone in and do some things in post-production to kind of give it that same um, sound and feel. Uh, one thing I think I, it's worth mentioning about the lapel, and this is really, I think, the power of having a professional on location that understands these concepts. And, and these are all things that are going through. I mean, you're probably listening thinking, wow, there's a lot of things to consider. Well, your, your producer sometimes or your lead uh, videographer has all these things going through their head and they have to systematically go through and set these things up and make sure they're good to go. And uh, that muscle memory helps because you're just used to doing it. You have a process and you do it that way all the time so you don't forget because, you know, with the lapel, you may not have the high ceilings, but maybe you're in an office space where, you can hear the person in the room next door. Yeah. The lapel is going to have a pickup pattern. Yeah. yeah. That, well, that pickup pattern is going to get that person, mm -hmm. you know, like their voice. So this way it sounds better and you don't pick them up because that is, it's common. You're in office spaces and you still need to do business and we can't shut everything down. Now, what I like to mention that I think is unique about a professional um, and somebody who does this a lot versus, you know, somebody who's still trying to get started is 
somebody was trying to get started, and I know because I was in this role, like you were obsessed with not having anything go wrong with your audio. Yeah. Because you're worried that people are going to pick up on that, where when you're a professional, you could hear background noise and you could say, you know what? That's pretty low. We can drop that a little bit in post-production and we're going to add music. So yeah. you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear it at all, yeah. And that could dera- really derail your production because there's nothing worse um, than being in a position where you know you, ha- you are all set up and you have this audio issue and now you're thinking you have to tear down. And I know like we were on a shoot where we, we did, a, we weren't able to do a walkthrough necessarily. <clears throat> Let me do that. I know we were on a shoot where we actually had shot there before. We were very familiar with the location mm-hmm. and we were all set up and there were no audio issues. Everything was going good, except the only difference was we were there in the summer before, uh, which the problems that that posed were the windows had to be open because it was hot in there and you could hear some of the traffic outside. So we had to do some work with that. And then in the winter, we were kind of like, well, we're in good shape because windows are closed. We're not going to hear anything. And then all of a sudden, as soon as we got set up and started recording, you started hearing a pipe knocking from the, um, from the heating system. You could hear it knocking every so often, then it would shut down and then it would knock again. And I felt like what we did really well was, you know, the, the client was a little concerned about it and we were able to get some sound blankets, cover it up and be able to do a little bit of work in post-production to Mm -hmm. help remove that. And being that we have that muscle memory and that experience and Josh is the professional that he is, we were able to make that sound great. Whereas maybe someone starting off would be like, oh my gosh, we just set up for an hour and a half. We need to move locations. Yeah. Oh my God. That would have been three, four hours. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that was already a tight shoot too. Yeah. Because I'm trying to remember, was that a full day? It was a full day shoot, but we had a couple objectives we were trying to accomplish besides just interviews. We had some other things that we, you know, were throwing in there. And and a lot of that was with that time time frame with some of our clients. And and this may be something that a listener has to consider is sometimes you have people coming in from out of town. And yeah. You got one day to make it work. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, Bill, you don't make my job easy, <laughs> but you make it very fun and exciting. And uh and 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 I I mean it, it it helps reinforce that muscle memory, like because because yeah. you, you have to in in film and video, mm-hmm. there are no solutions, there are only compromises. Yeah. So we're you're always like, well, I want to use a thirty five millimeter, but I can't because you know then this pole is going to be in the way. And mm-hmm. It's like so you're always trying to figure out what you what how to get the best possible product with the least amount of resources mm-hmm. or limited space. Sometimes we're shooting in rooms that are like literally the size of closets, you know, yeah. it's like, and, and the customer's like, well, I want a blurry background. It's like, it's hard. You can't, <laughs> you can't yeah. have one. Yeah. It's so. hard. I mean, we, we try and, you know, I, one thing I always say is, you know, I, I guess we try and make it work, but we do make it work. We and make I, it work. That's yeah. the thing. We, we find work. a way to always make the client happy with the outcome of their video. And I, I think that's that's the muscle memory, that's the professionalism. Um, one thing I really want to touch on though, you know, what what are some things that you can do to try and make this process a little smoother? So, you know, just thinking about all the things we talked about, this is where, you know, you as the business owner or marketing professional, you know, go to the area that you want to shoot this video in, whether it be in your your office space or maybe you have a location in mind that's offsite. Try going there. And just, you know, take 15 minutes and sit, sit in that space, very quiet, just look around, 
listen to the room tone because there is room tone. Mm-hmm. You know, what can you hear? Is it, you know, is there an air conditioner that kicks on? Do you hear people down the hall, their door slamming? Do you hear sirens going by? Um, those things are crucial for, for people to know that are coming in to shoot video. Uh, are there windows in the room? That's another thing, yeah. Light that's coming in, reflections, um, shadows. You know, is it a tight space? Are there poles coming down from the ceiling? Are there um, a lot of, you know, I guess, art on the wall that could possibly pose an issue, like if it doesn't match your shoot, can the art be removed? These are all things that are worth looking at, depending on what you're trying to achieve. And I think that's going to be a huge step helping your video production company or professional get a better idea of what they're walking into. The other thing that I would suggest, and I mean, you can chime in on this too, because I know you, you're you a big fan of this, is is doing a site visit. So having your production company come out yeah. and do a site visit. It's crucial. I mean, you can look at pictures of a room, but you really get a feel for it when you step inside of it. And you say, okay, all right, I can put my camera here. I didn't realize like this room is actually a lot smaller than I thought it was, or it's a lot bigger than I thought it was because the photos might compress and or expand Mm -hmm. depending on the type of lens that it was taken with. Um, Yeah, it's like you, there's no substitute for a site visit. One thing that we can often do, and we often, I guess, do end up doing if we can get a site visit is we'll bring a camera with us mm-hmm. and a lot of times that's helpful for those reasons because yeah. we can shoot a little bit of video bring a couple different lenses sometimes we'll bring something a variable lens that we can try a bunch of different um, ranges and then get a better idea of okay when we walk in we're going to shoot in this direction we're going to avoid this light we know that at this time of day they empty the dumpsters so we yeah. probably shouldn't you know and and we, and we ask people in the building these things too like you know, is there anything we need to be aware of sound-wise? Like, do you have a, you know, somebody that rent, else renting the space next to us is going to come in with, like, a school full of kids? Yeah, yeah. Things that we can try and control because it maybe exactly. want to move the shoot date. So these are all important things to really think about. So you know, hopefully this episode was helpful and you got a lot of value out of this. And just learning the production process, you know, we, we were trying not to bombard you with too much technical jargon, but give you a real understanding of, okay, if somebody comes in to do work for me, these are things that are probably going to happen and we need to be prepared for those things. So, um, you know, thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out the uh, podcast next week because Josh is coming back. We're going to be talking about post-production. And um, yeah, if you guys have any questions or anything like that on this episode, please feel free to reach out and we will talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Watch Time. We hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. And remember to like and subscribe so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want your question answered on our podcast, go to flexmediacle.com backslash watch time.